Welcome to this week's Serendipitous Rebel podcast. Hi, I'm Wendy Guth. I'm very excited to share with you my purposeful pivoting conversation with Jen Pasquale. Jen is a 16-year active duty military spouse, certified strengths coach, and the founder of Pride and Grit, a transition support organization for military spouses. Jen is passionate about helping seasoned military spouses rediscover their identity, embrace their unique strengths, and thrive in their final season as a military family. She's also the owner of Jen Pasquale Consulting, where she offers strengths, coaching, and team development workshops to small and large organizations. Let's welcome Jen to the Serendipitous Rebel podcast. Welcome to the Serendipitous Rebel Podcast. I'm Wendy. And I'm Crystal. This podcast is for the adventure-loving, purpose-driven, action-minded, authentic, and rebellious entrepreneurs. Just like us. And just like you, we are trying to figure shit out. So join us as we talk about business and life and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Serendipitous Rebel Podcast. I am Wendy Guth, and I am really, oh, that was a little sing-songy, wasn't it, for a Monday morning, yes, <laughs> but I'm really excited to be here today with Jen Pasquale, who is the founder of Pride and Grit and the owner of, the, of Jen Pasquale Consulting. And I know I've done an introduction, but the one thing that I did not do in the introduction is to talk about, I've started to ask the question, what five hats do you wear? And I love, because it's always an insight into especially female entrepreneurs, who they are. So let's see, the five hats you wear are a strengths coach, consultant, military spouse, mom of teens, Oh, Lord. Anyway, I'm a champion for military connected entrepreneurs. Wow. Absolutely love that. You have a very diverse, well, you have a very diverse plate. Let's just say, don't you? I do some days more than others, but yes, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot going on in both in my head and at my fingertips. Ooh. Who? Where would we rather be? At your fingertips? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. (laughs) Depends on the day, depends on the hour. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and on this podcast. And let's see, the first question I have is, or to get the conversation rolling is how did you get started in this online space? (laughs) So I, I guess somewhat accidentally, so Pride and Grit came first and Pride and Grit was originally started as a really, it it was designed as an online space. So it sort of, you know, by default thrust me into that place. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it started as a blog and it started as a way to tell stories for military of military spouses that were a little more seasoned, had been around the block a few times and, and sort of knew the life, but also intimately knew the challenges of the life and wanted to start to talk about those 
two. And so it originally started in, in kind of that vein, and then it has sort of morphed and changed and and become sort of its own thing since then in the four, almost four, or just a little over four years since we launched in uh, 2018. I can say that have as, as a mill spouse, having the resources that you provide, absolutely invaluable. And even just the opportunity to share stories is very powerful and, and really important because we tend to be a part of the population that can be unseen. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and now in terms of the consulting piece that has, that, that is more recent, more, is that more of a pivot? <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's interesting because sort of what's happened is I'm sort of running in these parallel lives right now. Right. So I'm, I do the work with Pride and Grit as the director of programming for that effort. And so we do a lot of really where we've shifted into, yes, still have the blog, but really have kind of found our niche around personal development for military spouses, particularly those entering sort of a phase of transition from service life into civilian life. And so I'm running sort of that that effort. But then the consultant piece is actually, it's like new and old in that before, when, before I even met my service member, which was almost 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. I got my professional start as a consultant. So I did change management consultant, business consulting, and then essentially learning and development consulting for nearly 20 years. So, you know, corporate trainer, design training programs for organizations, Mm -hmm. and then partly because of military life and because of at the time being stationed overseas, I sort of left that life. Mm. And and then sort of took up this mantle with pride and grit, and that became my thing, and and absolutely love that. And then more recently, have kind of found my way back into consulting, and sort of you know put that you know it's it's very much like riding a bike, you know, like it it is a comfortable place for me, mm-hmm. and so I'm sort of back in the consulting world. But now I'm doing that through this lens of strengths and through this lens of personal and professional development. And so the work I'm doing sort of puts me into both efforts, both with Pride and Grit, but then also independently on my own with corporations and with individuals, helping teams and helping individuals kind of lean into and learn more about their their specific strengths and talents. Which is fabulous. And it's also so fun. Well, and it's and it's the positive spin. It's not what you're doing wrong. It's like, Hey, let's celebrate what you're doing right. And, and taking it from there. Yeah. I absolutely love that. It's really fascinating. I I did a full day training last week for an organization. And one of the things we were talking about is, is that so much of old leadership was about how to, you know, how to help people fix the things that they don't do well. right? Right. And certainly there, you know, there is some need for growth, obviously, but what, what the research shows behind strengths work is that you can, you know, try to grow the things at the bottom of your list, if you will, the things that just are harder for you than they are someone else. And you can Mm -hmm. get marginally better. You can improve, but it's really going to be marginal improvement. But if you take those things that you just naturally excel at and are just what you're wired for and you and you try to grow those, well, then you're going to see exponential progress and improvement and efficiencies that come from that work. So it really is like it's it is, yes, this positive spin, but it's also just such a more kind of logical approach to how we want people to operate within organizations or even on their own. I mean, strengths work definitely as an individual can be really powerful at helping people just understand like, who am I? And that's why I love it with mill spouses because mm-hmm. it works very well in this kind of identity space of 
you know, well, who am I outside of this roles that I'm in, these hats that I wear, right? If I take off all the hats, well, what's underneath that? Who's the person under that? And strengths can help give us language for that, which is just good for anybody. I, I absolutely love that. I'm a huge proponent of the work that you do. I actually had my family do the strengths test mm -hmm. and that was beyond enlightening. And it, what doesn't, it's not a reason to make excuses. It's a reason to build understanding and mutual communication around how we function as, as human beings. So, 100%. And I can say that one of my knowledge and my understanding of my lesser strengths is the reason I have a podcast editor <laughs> <laughs> and someone who helps with book or actually doesn't help does bookkeeping, mm. not my strengths. I accept it. <laughs> I'm not going to waste any time. Oh gosh. So, you know, in your, in, in your entrepreneurial journey, do you feel that it's been an instant success? <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, it actually, it's a, it's an interesting answer because in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. Mm -hmm. So where that comes from is I never walked into any of these, these efforts that I have my hands in now with kind of an, that entrepreneurial lens. It wasn't like I, you know, was, was trying, I wanted, I was an entrepreneur and needed a thing to be an entrepreneur on, right? Mm -hmm. That was not, mm -hmm. that wasn't how I was wired. So I'm much more the accidental entrepreneur. Oh, I, I grew up in family business. And so I grew mm -hmm. up sort of understanding the the value of that flexibility and what that looks like. But I, you know, when I started Pride and Grit, it was not a business. It was, it was really just designed as a support resource and mm -hmm. a way to help people. And it wasn't until about two and a half years into the effort that I realized it had the ability to be sort of self-generating and, and self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. And so then started to kind of take on that business lens for it, but I really didn't go in with that. And I was really uncomfortable with that in the beginning oh. because it felt like this altruistic effort that I was really trying to do to just help people. And so then to shift it into something that was profitable was a hard thing to sort of make peace with. And quite frankly, continues to be a hard thing to make peace with, but getting that lens of, I can do more good if I have, you know, money to do it with, right? Like, the more I grow it into something, the more people I can help and trying to keep that, you know, that is, as what sort of keeps me grounded. Right. So that helps with the pride and grit effort with the consulting effort. It, it's interesting because again, like riding a bike, right? So I'm, I'm right back into those, that mm -hmm. consulting effort. And, and I got really just lucky in the beginning where it was easy to grow it into a business because I had some folks who put me in con, you know, I had some great recommendations from folks that I'd worked with for those 20 years that I was doing consulting. And so I just had some really incredible opportunities straight out of the gate. I did not see those coming. I did not expect them, but it allowed me to get the repetitions that were really needed to build my confidence and kind of help that become something that, that felt successful almost right away. That's fabulous. And, you know, I wonder having a consulting business along with really whether it makes, you know, a no, it really it's, it's a, a nonprofit uh, you know, mission. Yeah. Nonprofit yeah, mission, mission for sure. Yeah. It's definitely mission driven and nonprofit right. does not mean it's run at a deficit. So sure. <laughs> make that. Yes. I've worked and my, my, most of my career was in nonprofits in DC and you always had to come out ahead at the end, or at least break even. But anyway, do you think that having the consulting piece 
in any way helps with the, you know, the do good part that maybe helps with the balance at all? Oh, in terms of now having both of those efforts? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I haven't, I hadn't really thought about it. And you're, mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Like I often talk about Pride and Grit as, as a social enterprise. Yes. So, you yes. know, it is, it is this sort of do good element yes. that that has the capacity to you know be profitable on you know right. on some level but i don't i don't i mean maybe it creates some balance yeah. but there's such in some ways there's a lot of overlap between them and yet they really do stand in completely different pockets and so they feel very different to me yeah. in that sense because one is much more sort of you know corporate foot facing largely and the other is really exclusively military facing. So they feel so different that I, I don't, I try not to compare them too much because they're really intended, you know, to have their own, I don't know, just sort of their own lane, if you will, with this overlap of strengths as the thread that runs through them both. Wow. You just have a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> a few, a few. Yeah. I know. I feel like five hats was not really enough, but we went with five. I know. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes they say, you know, what is the one hat? You know what? It, I don't know any, and especially any female that can limit our hats because whether it's our own, whether we're wired this way or whether it's societal pressures or whatever, but we tend to have responsibilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> were you scared at any point? <laughs> well, you know, that like the beauty of having an effort that you're not intending to succeed in the way a traditional business would sure. is the fear's different, right? Okay. So the fear was not monetary in the beginning. The fear was more, I mean, there was some of that because there's elements, I mean, you can't do anything without spending money. So in the beginning, you know, we're, I'm, we're investing some of our own money and, you know, making sure there's a website and doing some of those initial things with Pride and Grit. I think the fear more was around, like, is this a thing people need? Is this the thing people want? And I knew there was an, I, I talked to enough people right. to know that the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. But then, then the question is, do I have the skill sets or know the people who that can help me with the skill sets mm -hmm. that will allow me to get this in front of the people who, who I know could benefit from it. And I think that continues to be a challenge is to just, this is the challenge with the online space, right? How do you ensure you're in front of your audience as often as possible mm -hmm. so that they can get to know you and your effort in a way that makes them really want to, you know, follow that and, and have some level of loyalty to that. And so I think that's always a fear. It's like every, you know, we're, I'm working on a new program now, right now that we want to launch probably either late this year, or early next year. And it's like, oh, well, you know, will anybody want it? You know, like there's definitely that part where you just don't know if what you're doing is going to hit for people. And the best you can do is just sort of put your heart into it and put it out there. And, and I'm not so good at, at not worrying about it, right? I definitely mm -hmm. worry about, will it be the right thing? Will it, how will it come, you know, how, how will people receive it? And so I think there is always some fear. I don't know how you be a business owner without some level of fear. I think that fear is part of what allows you to stay grounded in your audience and what they need. Because I feel like if you get too ahead of that fear, I don't know how you really can listen well to what they need. Well, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head right there. Without the fear, you're offering what you think that they need. And that may be completely, completely off the mark. It's having that growth mindset that, you know, what is it? The, the try, the pivot, the, the pivot, correct, pivot, correct kind mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Wow. That's but I mean, but it's scary. Like the reality is it is, it is scary. And I think 
the longer it goes, the more, mm -hmm. you know, the higher the expectations are yeah. for me. Like every year, my expectations of myself and of the effort, I think, get a little higher. Yeah. And so the bar continues to be raised because if we're not sort of, if I'm not growing as a business owner, if the business isn't growing on its own, you know, then what are we doing really? And so I think sometimes, you know, as you're elevating that expectation, like there's a chance for that fear to elevate as well, or there's a chance for that confidence to increase and the fear to temper just a little. Do you consider yourself to be a lifestyle or an empire? Just that that's very much out of curiosity or where you're heading. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't, I'd have to think through like what goes in each column, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know that I think of myself as either, which probably oh, okay. means I don't, maybe I don't know enough about kind of what each of those would look like. Yeah. Cause I don't know that I've ever thought of myself as either of those. Well, and you know what? I think that one of the beauties as, especially as females become more and more in this space, we can see ourselves however we want. <laughs> I do absolutely, you know, I think the, the empire is really just, you know, everyone talks about, you know, seven, eight, I don't think I've heard any more than eight figure, you know, entrepreneurs. And it generally means uh, know, 100 hours a week and just, yeah. And so I, yeah, I, in in that sort of under that definition, then no, like I am not, I just want to do the work I love mm -hmm. and, the, and I just, I trust that the rest will work itself out. And I'm not overly concerned about what the, what that looks like from a numbers or a size or a, you know, would I love to be big enough to employ some other military spouses that need, you mm -hmm. know, flexible work? Absolutely. Like that would make me intensely happy, but I'm not looking to sort of amass anything except support. Yeah. Like that's really, that's what I want to amass is as much support as I can provide without being, you know, so big that it sort of takes over my life. Like it's, I just, I want it to be fun. Yeah. And that's the beauty of flexible is it can be as fun as I let it be because I get to, I get to choose. Right. Yeah. That's very true. I, I think that everyone talks about balance, personal work balance. I think it's becoming more and more just you know, it's not just something that we say, I think that we begin to see that we actually, we really need it. So, yeah. well, and I, I had attended a conference a couple of years ago and they had someone come in and talk about balance and, and I loved her kind of position for it because it was sort of this idea that everything has a cost, right? So if we continue to try to strike balance, we're always going to come up short, like we have to recognize that every yes is a no and every no, you know, like that sort of that whole thing. And, and that it's a matter of finding some equilibrium that works for you, but that's mm -hmm. not quite the same as sort of a teeter totter, right? Like the, oh, the way yeah. we think of balance, mm -hmm. right? It's, mm -hmm. it is, it is very different than that. And that narrative always makes us feel like we're failing because we're never going to actually keep mm -hmm. it even. Like there is no such thing as keeping those things even. Yeah. And so it's just being okay with the cost of one and at the, at the expense of the other for a time, yeah. knowing full well, at some point, we're going to sort of write that ship and, and the, the focus may go to the other, the other element, whatever that is. And for me, that was like, it was just a great thing to hear because I'd never heard it that way. She had a really great word for it that I, I can't remember now, but, but I just, I, I love that idea. Cause I think when we, when we talk about balance, sometimes we sort of create these false expectations of how we're going to manage it. Well, and I think that that's it. And that has been the way, again, I think it's almost a societal thing that, you know, the expectations and 
And who was it that wrote that book that women can do everything? I, I can't remember. There was. Oh, is that, are you talking about Lean In? Is that Sandberg? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I remember reading this book and being like, you've got to be kidding me. But, you know, it's at any given point, there's a priority. I know for me, it's my family. Right. It's, you know, my family, my health come first. When they're gone, will that change a little bit? Sure. You know, my husband will always be a priority, but for the weeks leading up to, you'll appreciate this, the weeks or the months leading up to say a retreat or Mm -hmm. a conference. Oh, that's the priority. Yeah. And you just have to, yeah. And it's, and I think it's a really interesting ongoing conversation that hopefully, especially we as women, we as women are having. As you're looking back, it's the end of it's the end of the year. Can we believe it? Has has the has the journey so far been worth it for you? Yes. I think that there's this there's this hesitation for me only because I I love the space I'm in right now and I love the work I'm doing now. I think there are moments where I wonder what would have happened had I sort of stayed that course I was on at, at the 20 year mark, right? If I, if, and not like, it, it's just, and I think military spouses go through this often where we've had to sort of put down these sort of dreams that we've had and these plans that we've had in order to continue to move around the world. And so there are moments where I'm like, whoa, where would I be in terms of finances? Where would I be in terms of retirement? Where would I be in terms of career progression? Where, you know, where would I be in terms of? So there's this part of me that that I'm happy with where I'm at and I'm happy with the work I'm doing. And maybe I would have never discovered this work if I had stayed that course. But there is this little, like, there's this little part that's like, oh, but I wonder. And so I think every year that little voice gets a little bit more tempered and a little mm-hmm. bit quieter, but I think there were some years where I felt a little more lost. And so that voice was a lot louder. And so I feel like every year it's like, I'm taking a layer of that off and it's a little bit less because it's like, oh, but I love this. So maybe it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what the pivot was or what the path change was. As long as I enjoy what the end is, then maybe that's mm-hmm. really what matters. Right. But I think sometimes, at least for me, it can be when, when it gets hard, Um, You know, when trying to run two efforts gets hard, it's like, okay, is this, (laughs) you know, is it worth it to run these two things to have, to be able to do all the things that I love or, you know, what it, what would it have looked like if I had sort of stayed that course? So, yeah. Yeah. So yes, yes, but (laughs) or yes. And (laughs) well, no. And I think that that's such an, an introspective way to look at it that it's not all it you know what in life is is really cut and dry <laughs> and well I and if, what, oh sorry <laughs> no you're fine i was just gonna say like if we did my cliff if you know if i showed you my clifton strengths she'd be like oh that makes sense because that's like this is my introspective is introspection is kind of my superpower like that's one of the things i do really really well and i mm-hmm. it's just fun for me to kind of consider these different things and and spend some sort of mental time in that i love to think and so it's, it's sort of funny that you say that. Cause it's kind of, it's, it's the thing, you know, when, when I'll write, I'll write newsletters, or I'll write posts or I'll do something. And the ones that always get the most engagement are the ones where I'm super introspective and I'm like, you know, revealing some things behind the curtain and, and that <laughs> I think that realness is what people, you know, appreciate, but it's also just fun for me to, to kind of consider these, these things that are, that are maybe a little bit deeper than, you know, than maybe other folks are comfortable with. 
And that's, well, you know, that's why we all bring our own strengths. Well, and that's why we all attract, you know, our ideal yep. people. I have to say that you have the most amazing newsletters that I look forward <laughs> to reading. I am, I, I'm a bit introspective myself and I, and I love reading all of, you know, you know, it, again, it's, it's the importance of being authentic about being real. And that's, that's really important in this world, you know? And I also would think, especially military spouses who have generally given up much to, you know, traverse the world that the, the what ifs I'm sure are really high and the ability to have someone who can help them put it into perspective and put them into their own path as, you know, they hit that, whether it's, I think you primarily work with say, those who are getting ready to retire. Yeah. Typically kind of in that latter part of service, you know, 10, 15 years in at least, you know, going into 20, but then we've got folks in our community that have, you know, that are retiring at 30 years and they're, you know, going through their thing. So there's, there's a, a huge variation, but not as much younger folks, because a lot of these conversations that we're having are really ones that come with time. Yes. You know, the, the, you know, the, the identity issues, not that those don't happen in, you know, folks that have been in a year or two, but they just don't have the same depth as someone who's, you know, done that career pivot five, six, seven times and, right. and has had to kind of reinvent, you know, more times than they can count. Like, it's just, a, it's a different, slightly nuanced conversation that we're trying to have. Sure. And there are less diapers, the older you get, which typically, yes, which adds a whole other element of, you know, just being in the moment and not really having the opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's a, a maybe privilege isn't the right word, but a, a luxury is, I guess, the right word. There's a luxury of introspection that comes when life gets a tiny bit quieter. Like having mm-hmm. teenagers, it isn't exactly quiet, but it's not <laughs> the minute by minute demanding that it is when, you know, you've got littles yes. for sure. And I think you're more willing to say, you know, down the pike, I'll worry about this down the pike. I just need to get through today. Though right. sometimes I also say that about teenagers, but anyway. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so one of the things we like to do is what I call a rapid fire. So, oh, yeah. So whatever pops into your mind. Uh, so the first one is what is one system you can't live without? So right now, like it's, you mean like from a technology standpoint? Whatever actually could mm-hmm. be anything. Mm. that's like it's too broad for me oh um, okay technology <laughs> no, 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 I know I was gonna say well right now I'm in this like technology kick only because so I use a tool called ClickUp which I yeah. use for project management which yes. I moved into recently and sort of simultaneous to that I for the first time ever hired a VA a virtual assistant that I just that is like perfect for me. And so she is my ClickUp expert and she is learning all the things. And so those like two powerhouses together is I think going to change my life. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. And those are two critical pieces. Critical pieces. Yes. I'm I'm really excited to end the year with like that momentum because I feel like like I'm really, really excited about 2023 because I just feel like a lot of good things are going to happen. And some of that is because I feel like there's finally a structure that that's going to make that possible. And now, you know, you could have also said that the Clifton Strengths system. <laughs> I could have, I could have, I did not. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, and I love that. Yes, I, and and I, I'm very familiar with ClickUp, worked with a number of 
project managers who use that system. So yeah, and it is such an important thing to have the foundational systems in place to get things organized and moving. Oh. Well, and I'll, and I'll tag in since you mentioned strengths. Like if I look at my strengths, they're all like, I'm a thinker. I'm not, you know, I, all of the, you know, discipline and focus, like those are not, you know, I can do them right. They're a little bit harder. And so having a, having a system I'm great about, I like a lot of systems, but to actually use them, implement and stick with them, like that's my challenge. So to have this like third party to come in and go like, no, no, we're going to do this. Like that is what I need. And that's been incredibly helpful. So it's, some of it is leaning into my strengths in the way of knowing what are the things I just don't do as well as maybe someone else does? And how do I leverage other things to support me in that way? Uh, exactly, exactly. You know, I always laugh. I hear and I remember earlier on in my like, corporate career, oh, you hire someone just like you. Oh God, no. Why would I want someone? Mm-hmm. What do I, I don't want a mini me. I need yeah. someone who does what I cannot do. <laughs> Well, and I think inherently, particularly as a business owner, you need people in your blind spots, right? Like that is so critical because operating in a, you know, in a vacuum as a business owner can be really detrimental to the development of the business, but it's comfortable. They, they, they sort of look and sound like us in terms of someone who thinks like you do mm-hmm. is a really comfortable conversation. But what you need is the person who is like, that is a terrible idea. (laughs) We should not be doing that. You know, you need those people who are really going to give you that contrasting opinion, but you got to be ready. You know, you got to want it. Mm -hmm. And and that is, I think, an important part of that business owner mindset of just kind of getting to where you want that and you appreciate that and you see the value of that. Yes. And sometimes it takes like a less than successful launch or something like that to get to the point where you you can see that, but yeah, yeah, that is so, so spot on. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? My, well, gosh, lots of things. Usually my golden retriever who's like, Hey, you need to feed me <laughs> right now. Like the thing that just, I get the most jazzed about is so on Friday, I mentioned last week, I did this full day workshop and developing that workshop, mm-hmm. um, was so fun. I, Mm -hmm. and I had forgotten, you know, I did curriculum for, you know, for years and years, but I forgot how much I love it, how good I am at it. And so it was just fun to sit down with a blank slate and go, okay, here's, here's what they want to learn. How can I get there? That's going to be interesting and unique and engaging for eight hours Mm -hmm. and then develop it and go, that's going to be awesome. (laughs) And just be excited to run it, you know? So I was so excited to go on Friday and run this program that I had designed for them using a lot of Gallup's resources, but ultimately me picking the things that we're going to talk about and how we're going to talk about them. That like, I could sit at my desk and do that all day long. It's so fun for me. So that's really, you know, when you talk about being in flow, yeah, that, that the ideal place to be, you've just described it. <laughs> it's either creating the program or it's running the program. Like Friday, like when I actually ran it was just as fun, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's really, that's my sweet spot. And that's where I, I really hope to grow those efforts in 2023, because clearly like that, those are my superpowers and that's how I should be using them. And there's such, and again, there's such a need for it. There's yeah. such a need. Hopefully, I think that the more enlightened leaders, enlightened leaders are seeing the value that it's not, 
you know, it's not just edict down kind of mm-hmm. thing. And even the military is seeing that there needs to be a lot more than just barking orders at people. Well, and and I we're absolutely seeing that if we want to retain the top talent, yes, we have to invest in them. Like there, there's really no there's really no debate about that if you're informed at all. And so the question is, how do we invest in them? What does that look like? How authentic is that investment? Is it a checkbox or is it something where we really want to give them, you know, tools to better themselves within the organization or just better themselves as individuals? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm enjoying working with organizations that really say, you know what, I'm going to put, you know, we're going to put our money behind this effort and we're going to really give you that investment that, you know, that you're worth. And the reality is it'll pay dividends for the organization. So there's really no downside. What do you love about being an entrepreneur? I do love that every day is a little different. You know, Mm -hmm. some days that's hard, right? Because we've already established that (laughs) that the structure is a thing that I need, but I do love kind of the nuance that exists in any given day. Um, I, I love the flexibility. I'm, you know, I'm still doing it because of the flexibility. I mean, I haven't had a like 10 or a W2 job since 2001, right? Like I've been, I've been working on my own forever. I don't even know how to not be flexible and in in a flexible position. So that's a, a big thing for me. But I think that one of the other things I really love is just being able to, to continue to kind of learn and grow and figure out whether it's a new tool or whether it's this new way that I'm going to do these things that I'm good at to get to decide that, to get to decide, oh, I love, you know, I really love creating workshops. How do I do more of that? And I get to completely decide what that looks like and how I'm going to implement that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to ask anybody, right? I just get to grow a business based on the things I love that serves others. Like, I don't really know how it gets better than that. (laughs) I would agree completely. I, yes, yes. Yes. And it ties in to this last rapid fire, which is define purpose. Purpose, I think for me, it's interesting because it's like there, I have two. So it's like, but I think right now the thread between the, the efforts that I have my hands in that feels purposeful is for me, purpose right now is really about helping others find the best version of themselves in whatever place they're standing in. Mm-hmm. That's really my purpose right now. Wow. That's, uh, and that is, uh, that is a really amazing purpose. And especially again, you know, working with, with a group that is, has been historically underserved in terms of military spouses, which we are greatly thankful for what you, what you are doing. It's very serious. And then also, yeah, being able to work with organizations that also I think is a bit underserved as well. <laughs> well, and I, I think in in this sense of really being able to, to invest in helping their people be better for no mm-hmm. other reason than just to help them be better. I think we've done professional development and, and mm-hmm. some personal development in organizations, but I think for a lot of years, it it had a secondary motive. Mm-hmm. It was not about the individual, right? And I think what we're seeing is this shift now of not just how do we make the organization better? That's a good, that's a good objective. How do we just help people feel like better pe- versions of themselves? And if they take that skill with them to the next place, so be it, right? right. 
or we use it, you know, it is, it is a way to create that investment and that loyalty, you know, in those individuals. And then, you know, the organizational impact is the secondary impact, not the primary. And so I think that's some of the shift that we're starting to see in some organizations. Well, and it's like, it's listening to the people who listening to your, you know, your constituents, whoever they are, you know, it's not just, we've always, we listen to our clients. Well, you have to listen to the people who work for you too and who are in your world and figure out exactly what it is that they need as well. Yeah. It's that's, that's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. I, I did a class through the university of Michigan on uh, purpose and he mm. really updated it on purpose in the workplace mm. and everyone has a reason and it doesn't even have to have any, and it, I think this, yeah, it just reiterates what you've said is that it doesn't have to necessarily be tied to the organizational purpose. Someone may do a job because they have to buy medicine for their sick child or whatever it is, and it doesn't diminish the work that they do. It just gives a clearer picture of who the person is. Well, and and I think it's interesting if you tie purpose into strengths, because I think <laughs> yep. there's almost this natural purpose that comes forward. If we're able to do more of, of just our superpowers, right? And we're able to do more of the things that are fun for us, that we enjoy, that we're good at. Like it becomes this thing that be, that's enmeshed with the purpose that we're, mm-hmm. you know, that we have within that organization. If we, if we are supported to be that version of ourself at work all the time, like the data supports the fact that we're happier, we're more engaged, mm-hmm. we're more productive, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's an everybody wins kind of scenario and it gets wrapped up in, you know, the purpose of, of what we do every day at work. Fabulous. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And this has been a lot of fun. It's Always. Been a while. It's been a while since we've chatted. <laughs> it has been. I know this, you know, this is a great excuse to get back together and share some, share some learnings. I love it. Yes. Awesome. And I will have information on where people can get in touch with you in the, in the show notes. And thank you everybody for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating. But only if you liked it. Otherwise, just keep it to yourself. You can learn more about our upcoming masterminding opportunities on our website at serendipitousrebel.com. And if you have topics you'd like to hear about, be sure to submit them on our website or DM us on social media. Hey, see you next week. Bye. Bye.